to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 23, verse 37 through 39. I want to talk to you today about staying under the protection of the Lord. Staying under the protection of the Lord. Following Him closely. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, Jesus said these words as He looked over Jerusalem. He's going to be leaving for the Mount of Olives. He's going to be closing a door on his ministry. This is during the last week of his life here upon the earth before the, his crucifixion. And he's poured out his heart to the people and he knows that they're going to reject him. He knows what lies ahead of him. And he says these words as he looks over the people. He says, "Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you." How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Father God, I pray that as we look into your word today, I just ask that you would just give us clarity of thought. I ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would open up our minds and our hearts so that we can hear and receive the word of God. Lord, I know that on a day-to-day basis, there's so many things that are vying for our attention. and so many voices calling out to us. But Lord, I pray today for the next few moments that your voice would speak very loud and clear to your people. I pray that you'd give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord would say. Anything that's of me, Lord, let it just fall to the ground. But Lord, your word that's eternal and everlasting, let it find a good place in our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let me ask you a question real quick. What do you do when you're under stress? I want you to think about that for a minute. Some of you may say, well, I eat. When I'm under stress, I like to eat. Others may say, well, when they're under stress, they talk a lot. They just start talking, just engage their mouth. And they just let it rip. Other folks, when they're under stress, will throw things. Scream, holler. Others get quiet, withdraw. Become agitated, worry, shut down. How we handle situations and how we handle stress reveals a lot about our character and who we really are. Pressure, which comes in many different forms reveals what you and I are made of. Sometimes you people will they'll get under pressure and they'll do something and they'll say, oh, where did that come from? Oh my goodness, I don't know where that came from. Let me tell you where it came from. It came from inside. Because when the pressure's on, what's inside comes out. You got that? When the pressure's on, when you're squeezed, when I'm squeezed, what's inside comes out. Sometimes we don't like what comes out. Sometimes we wish that that wouldn't come out. We don't want that anger to come out. We don't want that bitterness or that ugliness to come out. But when the pressure's on, what's inside, what we're made of, comes out. It may be the pressure of success. Some of you, because of success, because of the blessings that God has brought into your life, success may reveal things like pride or arrogance. It may be the pressure of a disappointment, the pressure of a delay, 
or the pressure of demands put upon you. This account reveals the character of Jesus. The pressure was on him. And what came out was his concern for Jerusalem and for the people. These words were spoken by Jesus and for his people. Psalms 91 verse 1 says, He who dwells in the shelter, he who dwells under the covering of the Most High, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Do you see all these imagery of God covering and protecting You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by the day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him. I don't want you to notice this part. For he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me. And I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Jesus desired to be their covering. Our second point is they completely rejected his covering. It wasn't, I want to point this out again. It wasn't a rejection that's like, uh, oh no. It was a blatant, open, continual Rejection. It wasn't like, hey, if you would like this, check box C, and we just happened to forget to check box C. It was a continual rejection of God's advances towards them. And of all the messengers that he sent to them. Jesus wanted to be a covering for them, but he says of them, he says, how often I long to gather you, your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, But you were not willing. You wouldn't have anything to do with it. You know, I was thinking about life and I was just thanking God for the coverings that I have in my life. My dad is still a covering in my life. Yeah, I'm a grown man and I outweigh him by probably 40 pounds. I live on my own. He doesn't pay my bills. But I really value his input and the wisdom that he speaks to me. I talk to him a lot. I seek his guidance. When I'm not sure what to do, I seek his guidance when I need to make a decision. You see, God has given him 30 years more wisdom and experience than I have. That I can draw from if I'm willing to receive that. There's something about a parent, a mom and a dad, especially when you have a godly, when you have a godly Parents. 
There's something about that, that even after their kids leave home, there's authority that God places in their life. There's insight, there's wisdom that God gives them that can be drawn from if you're willing to receive it. Unfortunately, there's many people who once they hit a certain age say, I don't want to hear it. What do they do? They pull themselves out from under that covering. My mom provides a covering in prayer for me. She prays for me all the time, especially if she knows that something's going on. Some of you moms know what we're talking about, right? Like they go from when you got five kids, usually there's something going on with somebody, right? And so there's a time you'll know that mom's, wait, I heard one person ask the mother which kids she loves the most. And she said, whichever one needs me the most at that time. You know what I mean? She loves them all the same. But whichever one needs me at that time is where I want to give my love. And moms have that covering of prayer over their kids. And there's something about a a godly mom who prays for her kids, who stands between them and God. I don't care if your kids are 60 years old. And there's some grandmoms who still have kids 60 and 65 and 70 years old who are still praying for their boy and still praying for their daughter. Why? Because God has placed them in a place of covering and a place of authority over them. And God hears their prayers. And my father-in-law, many more years of ministry experience than I do. Remember Moses? Moses and his father-in-law Jethro. And Jethro comes and he looks at Moses and he sees what Moses is doing. And Jethro says, Moses, what you're doing, it's not good. It's not good for you and it's not good for the people. Now Moses could have said, excuse me, I'm the CEO I'm the prime minister of Israel. Who are you? What have you done lately? Did you see my budding rod? Did you see whenever I parted the Red Sea? I don't know if you really have anything. When you part the Red Sea, you come and talk to me. Okay? Moses could have had this attitude. And if he would have, he and the people would have continued to suffer. But in humility, Moses submitted himself to that leadership of his father-in-law and that wisdom of his father-in-law. And as a result of that, he and the people were blessed and protected. The needs of the people, the nation were met. We also have spiritual leaders in our lives. And I, I was thinking of my, my district officials and my district pastor and the national leaders of our fellowship. They serve as a covering for me. They are a visible representative of God on the earth. There's protection when I stay under their covering. To our young people, I want you to hear this very clearly. Satan loves for you to step outside the protection and the covering of your parents. And usually everyone over like 25 is like, yeah, that's right. And every teenager says, ah, this preacher, he he don't know what he's talking about. He's supposed to say that because he has kids who are teenagers now. So he's supposed to say that. Listen to me, there's a safety And a protection that's there when you stay under your parents' covering. I know you're growing up. And I know that we think we know a lot. And most of us don't like people to tell us what to do. There's something within us, within our flesh that rises up whenever someone tells me no. Or within your flesh. It's just natural. When someone says no to your flesh, and next week we're going to be talking about that. There's something that rise up within us and we want to reject that. But please 
Stay under the covering of your parents. You show me a young man or a woman who disrespects their parents and rebels against them, and I'll show you a person that's set up for heartaches and pain. You show me a young man or a young woman who honors their parents, who seeks the advice and the guidance of their parents, and I'll show you someone who's going to be successful in every area of their life. It's not limited just to spiritual things. They're going to be successful in every area of their life. God has also given us spiritual coverings in the leadership of our churches. Spiritually mature people, I want you to hear this closely. Spiritually mature people love the covering that their church provides for them. You show me someone who's spiritually mature and they're like, man, I just thank God for my church. I thank God for my Sunday school teacher because they really help me. They keep me grounded. I thank God for my pastor. I thank God for the leaders in my church because they're a blessing to me. They're a protection for me. They're a covering for me. They, in fact, they enjoy and appreciate and feel secure because of that in their life. New converts. New converts are awesome. You show me someone who just gets saved and they're like standing there pulling on your coattail. What do I do next? What do I do next? Hey, hey, can I talk to you about this? Hey, what, what should I, uh, I, I want to ask you a question. Uh, what should I do here? You know, they're just like, it's coming up to you and, you know, oh, what, what, what do we do now? What do I do now? They're awesome. They look to spiritual leaders and like whatever the spiritual leader, that's why it's important that we walk in integrity, that you live out what you say because people are looking to you as spiritual leaders in their lives, as mentors, they're watching you and they're saying, what do I do now? They're hungry. There's some people, though, that are what I would call spiritual adolescents. They're, they're no longer the baby and they haven't reached this point of maturity yet, although oftentimes they feel that they have. And the place that they are in is they know enough to be dangerous. They know enough to be dangerous. They think that they're stronger than what they are. When I was about 14 or 15, I thought, I went out to my older brother's, he was a youth pastor. And I was about as tall as as my brother John then, because he's only like 5'7", or 5'6". He was a youth pastor out of Michigan, I was out there. So they were wrestling. And I wrestled this kid, I was probably like 14, he was like 18, and I beat him. Now I'm not that good of a wrestler, but this guy wasn't near as good as me. And so, you just beat a guy who's 18, you're feeling like you're doing pretty good. And so I remember running my mouth to my brother, John. And you, he was here a while back and spoke for you guys. So, you know, John's real gentle and stuff. And I just kind of kept provoking him and provoking him. And I said, and so until, and all my life, John was always very kind to me. He's never been mean or smart, never, like, not even really a mean word. And so I wanted him to wrestle me. I don't want to wrestle you, buddy. Nah, I don't want to wrestle you. But, you know, I'm 14, almost 15. Uh, I'm getting some muscles, 15 years old. And so uh, he finally, after me chiding him enough, he wrestled me for about three seconds. In that three seconds, my head hit the ground. My nose got rubbed on the ground. I was flipped all around. My mouth was bleeding. And I mean, it took me about like three seconds just to wipe up the ground with me. 
So there's this thing, sometimes when we're young, we think we think we can do anything. We think we're powerful. We think we're stronger than what we are. And spiritually, sometimes there's people who, they've been saved a little while, and they don't think, I can take on anything. I can do whatever I want. They, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. I can do anything I want. I have this feeling of invincibility. And what we find is that those people come to a place, and a lot of times they won't say it out loud. Sometimes they will. Usually it's not out loud, but I don't need anyone to protect me. I can hear from God myself. Who are you to tell me what to do? I know as much as they do. In fact, I probably know more. Well, I just want to tell you, when you step out from under the covering, you might end up getting like I got. Except for the enemy usually doesn't stop after we say, okay, ouch, I give up. Friend, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people refuse the covering that God wants to bring over them. That protection. And the painful result that it brings in their lives. The result, here's the scary thing. The result that it brings on generations that follow. Hear that. Jesus said, I wanted to gather your children. It's their children who are going to be in the midst. It's their children who are going to be in the midst of this firestorm that comes upon Jerusalem. It's going to be their kids. It's not coming today. Oh, I can step out from underneath the covering, pastor. I'll be okay. I stepped out from the covering. Nothing happened to me. Go ahead, God. See, I told you he was wrong. Nothing happened to us. And yet, 40 years later, the generations that followed were in the very midst of Jerusalem being destroyed. Now, listen to this. It usually starts something like this. This is coming out from under the covering. It starts when a person begins to drift. At one point, their focus is upon the Lord, drawing near to Him. They begin to drift. They begin to lose their zeal and to become cold. Maybe they start to lower their standards. They begin to compromise. Letting a little bit of compromise. Not a lot, because a lot would be wrong. Just a little bit of compromise. This becomes evident to those who care about them and who know them. And when they express their concern, it causes them to become defensive. When mom and dad says, where are you going? What time are you going to be home? Tell me a little bit more about your friend. Oh, they begin to get defensive, okay? Then they either openly reject or simply pull away and distance themselves. They avoid leadership. They avoid the covering. And they begin to resent the guidance and the correction that leaders give. And sometimes they grow to the point where they despise them for it. How can a teenager, whenever a woman's carried him nine months in her womb, felt like she was dying, whenever his dad would give up anything in the world for them, how can a teenager come to despise and hate their parents sometimes and say such vile things to them? How is that humanly possible when someone has given their lives for them and done so very much for them? 
As a parent, doesn't it tear your heart out to see your kids rebelling? When you see your kids going the wrong way, not so much for yourself, but because you know what lies ahead for them. Because in that 30 extra years that you have over them, some of you have taken the wrong path. Some of you have learned the hard way. Some of you have experienced the heartache and the pain. Some of you have to live with the scars and with the regrets. And you're just saying, you know what? Oh, God, please, please don't let her go that way. Oh, God, please. After all I've gone through, please don't let him have to experience that. Many of you, if you could go through those things yourself for them, you would. Because you have that love in your heart for them. You're saying, after all the heartache and the pain I've gone through, please, please God, don't make them go through it. I don't want to see them go through that. Don't let my experience be wasted. But sometimes wouldn't it be easier not to care as a parent? Sometimes wouldn't it be easier if you just didn't care? Like, I'll warn you once, I'll warn you twice. Then I don't care. You do whatever you want. How about as a leader, when you're responsible for other people's lives? As a pastor, sometimes I think it would be easier if you didn't care. When you see Christians living carnal lives, and you know what it's going to lead to, it's inevitable. It always leads to the same place. When I sow to the flesh, I reap destruction. It always leads there. When you see people refusing God's correction, his offers of covering, God says, I want to cover you. No, I don't want anyone to cover me. When you see that priorities are messed up and a refusal to restore Christ to first place, it doesn't matter who it is, when it is, the results are always the same. Sometimes I wish I could just warn people and then throw up my hands and say, okay, it's your problem. But God doesn't let us do that, does he? Do we really want to be that kind of person? Do we want to be the kind of person who just says, okay, well, I told you once. Or do we want to be like the Lord who mourns? Let me ask you this. When was the last time as a church that we wept for our city? When was the last time you actually gave a rip? I mean, you actually cared. See, because it reveals something about me. My response to the world around me reveals something about the status and the plight of my own heart. When we see a a young person headed the wrong way. Oh, he's an idiot. Oh, he's a hardhead. Does our hearts grieve for them? Do we continue to reach out to them? When we see brothers and sisters who are losing their zeal and their fire, and they're just going through the motions, do we mourn? Does our heart hurt for them? Or do we just say, oh, that's the way it is? See, the world's changed by people who care. And I might not be able to save the whole world, But I'll tell you what, there's a few that I can, by the grace of God.
And you might not be able to stop all the heartache and all the sorrow and all the pain and all the destruction in the world. But God has placed you here and he's placed you strategically in this community. And he's placed you within your family and he's placed you on your job. And he's placed you in your neighborhood to be a voice crying out in the wilderness. He's placed you there to make a difference in the life of maybe one. Or maybe two. Or maybe three. Or you might be surprised. The number of people who your voice, your intercession, you're standing in the gap. Because what is God looking for? He's looking for someone who will stand in the gap. Make up a hedge. He's looking for someone who will stand in the gap and call out to him. For mercy for the people. What's your heart saying right now? Do I care? Or can I walk by those kids that are down the street from my house? Eh, they're, they're just kids. Can I walk by the neighbor family? Just blow them off. See, it reveals what's in and the state of my heart final thing I want to point out to you real quickly is the consequences of their decisions. Jesus looked at the people and he says, look, your house is left to you desolate. For I will tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The reality of it is this, is our choices, our choices have consequences. I want to talk to you about sowing to the flesh and sowing to the spirit. I'm really excited about that because my choices, my decisions, every action and every thought and attitude of my heart has a consequence connected to that. Good or bad. Your house, when it says your house, it probably means both the temple and the city. Jesus was, had been in the temple. Your house, it, it had been... Both of these were going to be destroyed in 70 A.D., 40 years later, by the invading Roman armies. In Matthew 21, 13, when Jesus cleared the temple, he said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. But now it's been abandoned and it's left empty. He says, It's your house now. And it's left to you desolate. At that point, Jesus left both the temple... And the city, and he goes out to the Mount of Olives, if you're looking at the text. Jesus, again and again, offered to cover them. Again and again. I mean, just constantly. And it was continually rejected. God continually sent messengers and continually rejected. There was a certain point where he left them to themselves. He says, okay, it's your house now. You know what? I don't ever want... It to be my house. I don't ever want to be my life. I don't ever want God to say, okay, it's your life. Do what you want. I don't ever want that. I always want it to be his life. Lord, this is a life that you've entrusted me with. I don't ever want this church to be my church. There's something good about it being when this person says, this is my church. There's a, an ownership and a, and a commitment. But I don't ever want it to be my church. This is his church. I don't ever want my family to be my family. 
I don't want ever God to say, okay, well, I'll, I'll let them, you take care of them. I don't ever want to come to that place where because of our rejection of his covering, he says, okay, if you don't want me here, I'll respect your opinion. I'll respect your decision. It's yours. It's yours. You hear people say, it's my life. No one's going to tell me what to do. Okay. There's a certain point, friend, where God's going to step back and he's going to say, okay, I respect you. I don't know if it was right. I don't mean this sacrilegiously. If I was God, I don't know that I'd give this free will stuff. Because we make some pretty dumb decisions with that. I've made some really dumb decisions with this free will thing. Where he says, okay, you get to make up your own mind. Sometimes it would be a lot easier if he would make it up for me. But at a certain point, God says, okay, I'll respect you. I love you. It's yours. Steps back. And that's what he did. And he went out. But listen to this. He says, you're going to reject me. And you hate me now. You hate me so much you want to kill me. But this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you to yourself. And I'm going to step back. But you're going to see me again. Because when he stepped back, he went and he prepared to be offered as a sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. So that in the future, after the people had gone through all they had gone through, that one day he would come back again. And for those who are looking for him, they rejected him. And when they rejected him, he didn't get pouty or mad and say, okay, well, let, God, let the Father strike you. He stepped back and he said, I know what I'll do now. I'll go and make a new way. I'll make, open up a new and living way so that whenever you come to your senses, in the midst of your hurt, in the midst of your pain, if you'll call upon me, I'll pay the price for your sins so that you can have eternal life. I'll make a way. For you to go to the Father. As we conclude, I just want to say this to you real quick. But please stay under the protection. Please. I remember a, a man one time, his kids was doing stuff they shouldn't. And sometimes you don't know what to do. What do I do? How do I get them to come to their senses? And there's a certain point where they have to make their own decisions. You do everything that you can. If I could beg you to stay under the Lord's protection... I would, because I know it's what's best for you. But let me encourage you, two things. Stay under his covering. It's the safest place to be. It's the best place to be. It's the most prosperous place to be. It's the most fulfilling. And let God reveal to us something about ourselves whenever we see the world around us and see them whenever our attitudes... Let God reveal to us the state of our hearts. Wow, I'm hard. Wow, some things I don't even care about. Wow, God, I need you to change something in me. It's not just the world around me that needs changed. In the midst of all the, we say, oh, things are going crazy. (laughs) In the midst of all that, I need him to change my heart. Father God, I thank you. I just thank you for the chance that we have together. I thank you for the blood of Jesus that there's going to be a day 
There is going to be a day when around the world they're going to say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But we're looking forward to that day in which you come and rapture your church and call us to be home with you. But until then, Lord, I pray that we'd be busy about your work and faithful to your call upon our lives. I ask that the Holy Spirit would speak to us if there's anything within my life or within the life of my friends that's going to hinder them and stymie their walk. I ask you, Jesus, that you would forgive us and cleanse us. I pray that before we leave here today that we would take care of those things. Thank you that you've taken care through your death upon the cross so that we can have eternal life.